Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hello and welcome back to another episode. Today I'm excited to have you guys with me because I want to share with you something that I've heard countless times and it surfaced again recently in a session with somebody and I wanted to share with you how you can work with this situation when a wife says, he knew that it hurt me but he still did it anyways. And I think that's such a common struggle for many of the wives that that are going through this with their husband is they communicate early on in their relationship, sometimes when they're dating, sometimes early on in marriage after the first discovery. You know, there there's a conversation that takes place for a lot of people, and then the wife will say how much, how unacceptable that behavior is, and that she doesn't want that in the relationship, that it hurts, and, and shares with him very clearly that this behavior does not work, and it does not work for her, and she does not want that to be a part of their relationship. The husband says, I, I understand. And then what happens is after a period of weeks or months or sometimes years, the behavior surfaces again and the wife is just totally devastated because she thinks to herself and even tells him, I thought we already talked about this and you did this knowing how much this hurt me, which adds another layer or level of betrayal to how she feels and it's it's very difficult sometimes for her to be able to work past that because of how much it hurts and so this uh this like i said it happened recently when i'm working with somebody and the same type of a situation where and this is again ha- happened lots and lots of times where the first discussion the husband says he understands he's not going to do this anymore she can he can see how hurt she is And then what happens for most people, for most of the husbands that I work with, when they make that decision to say, I'm not going to do this anymore, I see that it really does hurt you and this is not going to work for our marriage, they really mean it when they say it. They really mean that when they say it, when they say, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to get this out of my life. I can see that this doesn't work. The difficulty is that the decision alone is not enough to stop the behavior if it's progressed to the point where it's become out of their control. In other words, if they're on the spectrum of addiction somewhere, right? If it develops into a, like a very strong habit, just the decision alone is not enough to interrupt that habit that's been in place for most people for literally years. And even though the husband can see how much damage that behavior did in the relationship, Ultimately, for most of the people that I work with, they go back to the behavior and it's not because they didn't mean it when they said that they would stop. It's simply because they don't have the capacity and the tools and the skills to not go back to the behavior. Because it's a coping mechanism for so many people, unless they have new ways of coping, unless they actually deal with the underlying roots of why they turned to the pornography in the first place, the decision can be very well mean, well intended. It's, it's a very, very well meaning. They're they're well meaning when they say it, but without everything that's necessary to actually stop the behavior and sustain it, it's it's so so difficult. And again, for most guys that I work with, they're not able to do it. And it's important to recognize that that ultimately is what addiction or somewhere on that spectrum is. It's the inability to sustain the choice to not turn back to the behavior despite the consequences of their actions. 
people get caught in this spider web of addiction where despite knowing the relationship will be negatively affected, despite knowing their spirituality or their relationship with their kids, or sometimes they jeopardize their, you know, husbands will jeopardize their work and look at things on work computers, which again, for a lot of people, it's a fireable offense. Despite knowing all the things that happen as a result of the behavior, they still unfortunately go back to it, like I said, because they don't have the skill set and the tools and the wherewithal at that moment in time to make the decision and then be consistently uh, in line with it and follow through and never turn back to it. And so I want to share with you just a couple of things to kind of help navigate this. First, I think it's so important to understand and it's very hard to like really internalize this, I think, for a lot of people, is that two things can exist at the same time. Because so often the wife will say, well, he's turning to this knowing that it hurt me, therefore, he must not care about me. Therefore, our marriage is not important to him. Therefore, and there's some kind of a conclusion, like a sweeping conclusion about her, her relationship to him, her level of importance to him when really there's so many other pieces that need to be considered because literally every single person I've ever asked this, uh, every husband I've ever asked this question is like, do you care about your spouse? Invariably, they will say, yes, I do. And then I'll say, well, turning back to this behavior is evidence for her that you don't care about her. And he'll say, like, I get that. I can see why she'd think that but I absolutely love and care about my wife. I care about my kids and my family. I've just been stuck in this web. And the wife will often say, well, everything's been a lie then. Our whole marriage has been a lie because this has been going on in the background without me knowing it. And the husband will say, I, well, yes, that's true. This, is, this has been going on occasionally or periodically or however often, however frequently. Yes, this has been going on, but the moments that we have had together are real for me. I absolutely do care about you. And he'll list some of the things that he's done. Like when I check on you, when you're sick, that's me. That's evidence of me caring for you. When I go to work and go to a job that I hate because I want to provide for you, that's me caring for you. Or when I check in and ask how your day's going, or I try to give you a break, you know, I'm at work all day and then I come home and you've been with the kids all day and I want to give you a break because I know how hard that is. That's me caring about you. And I think so often, again, there's so many intricacies and nuances to this that we can't apply a single generalization to the entirety of the relationship, which I know is very easy. It's very easy to do that because of how much this hurts. It can feel like, well, if they knew, then they obviously don't care. The reality is, again, all the people that I work with, very, very... Uh, strongly do the husbands feel like, no, I absolutely do care. Like in the beginning, they'll just say like, I don't know why I keep doing this. I don't know why I keep turning back. And that's a part of why, that's a part of where we start in the beginning when I'm working with people is figuring out what is driving this. Because when you say you don't want to turn back to it, but then you get pulled back into it, we have to figure out what's going on. And again, that's what I'm referring to earlier when I say, when it becomes out of the person's control, where they feel like they have no power against it and they can't make the choice to stay consistent and avoid the behavior, 
that's like that that's what addiction is somewhere on that spectrum like that's that's what happens and we can recognize that when people are struggling with alcohol let's say if they're overwhelmed and they feel inadequate they feel like they're failing they don't know how to cope they turn to alcohol just to like distract themselves it's really no different with this it just is much more personal though it hurts more so that's the biggest difference the pattern is the same it's an unhealthy way to cope with pain but again the difficulty now is that the wife is so devastated by the behavior because of how sensitive this area of the relationship is sexuality especially there's you know there's so much vulnerability in that and for most people the agreement is that that's something that is not shared outside of the marriage so it's just it it really really does hurt and so i think some women will have a hard time uh, being able to understand if the husband says well i you know i'm stressed so i just it, it leads me to to turn to pornography or i feel inadequate or i'm i'm a failure or i or I don't know how to process how I'm feeling. If I feel uncomfortable or shame, then I just try to distract myself. And so often the wife in the beginning, especially wonders to herself, well, how does stress lead you to then think about another woman? That doesn't make sense. And the more people understand about what's going on, the better, right? One of the first things I recommend to anybody is like get educated about what addiction is, because if you don't understand it, it's going to feel so overwhelming and daunting to deal with because if you don't know why something's happening and what's going on, it's very hard to take any meaningful steps towards addressing it. And so one of the first things that I'll do is help the husband better understand why he's turning to it. And if he starts by saying, I feel stressed, I know there's so much more underneath that label. And it really does feel so like hurtful for the wife to hear, well, I'm stressed, so I think about another woman it's so critical to understand more clearly what's driving this. And so when I'll ask husbands, well, okay, you're stressed. So tell me about what's going on. Like if you're stressed at work, what's happening? And he'll share with me an example of maybe he messes something up at work. And then he says, I'll feel stressed when, you know, I'm I'm behind or I mess something up. And the more I spend time really unpacking it with them, what we get to is not stress. It's so much more negatively impactful than stress it's usually a fear of failure it's a feeling of worthlessness it's a sense of inadequacy it goes so much deeper than stress to the person to like the core of the person their identity their self-image and so when somebody feels a sense of worthlessness or failure or not being enough that is such a painful and dark place for so many people that if over the course of their life they've turned to some substance or behavior to get away from how they feel, that's going to be a moment in time where they're going to want to escape. And so it isn't just like, oh, I'm stressed, so I'm going to go think about some other woman. It's putting in the context of the pattern that they have developed so often from early adolescence is that pornography becomes an escape from how from how they feel. It distracts them from any negative emotions that they're having. It distracts them from the pain of isolation or loneliness or not really being able to connect with family, parents. If the parents aren't emotionally available, like there's a lot of pain when people grow up and then when they find something that helps them get away from it, they turn back to it over and over and over. And over the course of months and then years, it becomes this habit and it gets wired into the brain that when stress, again, 
the high level word is stress, but as I just described, there's so much more underneath that. When there's this feeling of overwhelm or loneliness or fear or inadequacy or worthlessness, the brain is so conditioned to instantly say, okay, let's turn to this then. It, it's like subconscious. Just like, again, somebody turns to alcohol, they've been doing it for a long, long time. It just becomes a part of their way of uh, responding to difficult situations. It just gets wired in. And so I say all of that not to excuse the behavior. And it's not to say, okay, well, he's off the hook because he really can't really control it all the time. It's to help give a little more context to the fact that two things can really exist at once. He can care about his wife and it can and and his inability to control this behavior on some level can also exist. And I, again, I know that's very difficult for so many women and I would feel the same way, right? I would feel the same way if I heard that. But after having worked with literally hundreds of people and I hear the same thing from each of the men that I work with, uh, I've come to believe that this is, I, I genuinely believe that this is how the husbands feel. These two things exist at once. Now, we can't stop there though. We can't just say, you know, honey, I care and I struggle. So like, sorry. No, we have to deal with the problem. And a part of dealing with the problem is recognizing that action needs to be taken to identify what the problem even is. And then number two, he's responsible to take the steps necessary to heal. Because if he doesn't, then it really is just a cop out. Then it really is just this like uh, way to deflect and minimize the behavior which of course no healing in the relationship can happen when the husband isn't acknowledging the problem and taking steps towards resolving it. So he absolutely is responsible for identifying and taking steps and action to getting help to addressing this issue so it does not continue to surface. Because if in the past when he learned how hurtful it was for the wife and then made the decision, okay, I'm not going to turn back, that's, that's important. We want him to acknowledge and make the decision to not go back. But without the tools to sustain it, it's not going to be successful for most people. So the responsibility is on his shoulders to get the help that's necessary to overcome the issue. And I think, again, this is a part of why I'm offering this podcast. I want to give away the, like, the tools and the strategies for people to know what to do and what to look for and how to heal because it doesn't get better on its own. And so many women, again, it's, it's, I, feel, I feel for you ladies who are listening to this because you did not ask for this. This was not a part of what you signed up for. And I know how devastating it is to feel like this thing has interfered and impacted you so much. And when the husband can acknowledge and take responsibility for that and take the steps necessary, there's hope. People can heal. I've seen this so many times. People can get through very, very difficult situations. Once they get the necessary tools and direction, it's all then just implementing it and then repairing the damage that's necessary. Because again, so often the husbands feel horrible about this. I, so many people that I work with, as much as, as, as angry as the wife is with the husband, as much sometimes as she feels this like disdain or disgust towards him, so many men that I work with feel even more disgust towards themselves. They hate themselves more than their spouse ever could 
because they know this behavior is not acceptable. They know that it's not okay, but then feeling like they are not able to control it does create a, just a deep sense of self-loathing, which is again why I, I want so much for people to get the tools so they don't stay stuck there because you don't have to. And so hearing all this, I can hear again, as I've shared this countless time with times with women and couples that I've worked with, I know there's some like questions that come up. Sometimes a wife will say, well, I've given him so many chances to tell me, but he has not shared a word about what's going on. He'll hide and he'll isolate. And everything that I did, everything that I have learned about the addiction is because I've had to discover it. I'm the one who has to ask the perfect question. And if I don't frame it in the exact way that forces the answer, then he's going to find some way to either twist it or avoid it. And, and, and she does not want to have that responsibility of having to be a detective. And so a wife will, will say, well, I've given him so many chances and he's just, he, he doesn't tell me. I have to figure out everything on my own. And I think it, for many people, that's true. And that's very unfortunate. And it doesn't, it, it shouldn't be like that. And when people are going through this process, the one thing that is an overarching fundamental truth is that when there is dishonesty in a relationship, there's no chance for it to be able to heal. And I know how difficult it is for people who are struggling to not feel like they're getting the truth and not even not feel like it. They're not getting the truth in so many instances. And again, just to add a little more context to this, it's important to recognize that that behavior of hiding and isolating is so often a form of self-protection. I remember one time having a conversation with a husband who talked about how terrifying his upbringing was. Well, let me uh, a little more clearly, how terrifying his dad's anger was when it surfaced and how whenever he did something wrong and he saw his dad explode and get so angry and punish him severely sometimes, he learned this strategy of lying and minimizing and hiding so he could feel a sense of like safety and to feel some sense of preservation or protection from the intensity of his dad's anger. And so when a little boy or girl, when a person conditions themselves to avoid pain by lying because it's effective, right? It, it was effective for that man that I was working with. By minimizing and not disclosing the truth, he was not punished severely. He, his dad, the intensity of dad's anger didn't affect him so deeply because he could avert that by just you know, highlighting certain things and not highlighting other things. Now, that behavior, again, as effective as it was for him as a child to not be in pain, it's a very ineffective strategy when you're trying to create an intimate relationship with your spouse. It's used in the same way. It's used with the same intention. Husbands will often lie and minimize because of fear. They don't want to lose the relationship. They do care about their wife. They know their behavior is not conducive for having trust and closeness and intimacy. They know it's like detrimental to that. But again, without being able to interrupt it and stop it, they then minimize it because of fear of the impact that the behavior is going to have, not only on the relationship, but on the wife 
and also on themselves. And so, again, I, I share this not to minimize and give a pass for this, but just to reemphasize how necessary it is to then do the work. Because it, when the husband gets the tools that he needs to heal from the fear and to rewire his nervous system and rewire his brain away from that towards knowing that being honest ultimately does create a strong foundation. Being honest can lead to healthy conversations that there can be closure. When the husband can start to rewire and do the work to do so, the behavior then is eliminated because he doesn't need it for protection anymore because he has new ways of operating. And if he has not learned a new way of operating since he was seven years old when he started to lie with this particular you know, uh, husband that I was working with, if he didn't learn any other strategy, he would keep relying on the one that he knew. Which, again, like I said, as we all know, that's just it doesn't work. And so him doing the work necessary to truly resolve this and move forward is the only way. And I think one of the other questions that will often surface for the wife is she'll say, I don't understand why he did this because I showed him so much love. I tried to care for him. I tried to be there for him. I was unwavering in my loyalty and support. And then she'll say, obviously, though, it meant nothing because he kept going back. And so I hope as I've talked about this today, it gives a little more context as to why he goes back to help to challenge those thoughts that you mean nothing to him, that the relationship means nothing to him, and that all of this is for naught. And so I know that, again, this is such a hard place to be, and I truly do feel for the people that I'm working with. And for you, as, as you're listening, again, you're listening because you're looking for help. I feel for you, and I know this is such a hard spot to be in. And so that's a very common question for women to ask. Why did he do this? And obviously this meant nothing because he kept turning back. Hopefully hearing that when somebody struggles with an addiction, it's coming from a place of brokenness. It's not because they're out to get their wife because they don't care and they don't love them. So they're going to keep doing the thing that hurts them because they don't care. It's not that. It comes from a place of brokenness, which is not to say that a person who's struggling with this is like defective or flawed or a broken human being, but there is a part inside of somebody that can feel or be broken or unresolved rather, or there's like an inner conflict that without it being addressed leads to people making decisions outside of their values. And the more that person develops a pattern or a habit of doing that because they're coping. And again, even though they're coping in a way that's outside of their values, the brain, the brain, the number one job of the brain is survival. And so when we have values, that's more of like a spiritual aspect of who we are. Our brain isn't really concerned with that. Our brain is concerned with fight or flight to get out of pain. And so when the brain learns, oh, if I turn to this behavior or substance and then I get out of that pain, I'm in this like, I'm getting out of this like threat of a situation. The brain will just, again, that's this reward center of the brain is reinforced when dopamine is flooded. And so when somebody turns to pornography, it's an escape from pain. It's, a, it's an injection of dopamine and these chemicals that change the state of the person. And the brain, that's all that that's concerned with. So then <clears throat> what we must do is recognize that 
we have to work with the situation in a way that can then resolve it. Because again, the brain is, it's, it's just a machine, right? It will do its input output. If there's pain, the brain says, how do we get out of pain? So if there's no other option, we have to expand the options. Again, it's not a pass. This is an encouragement and a call and a hope that people will see this for what it is. So it, it can feel a little less personal. Cause I know, again, I've said on the podcast before, and I know that women will say, you know, I've heard you say it's not personal. The husband isn't doing this cause it's, it's an inadequacy of the wife. And so he needs to turn somewhere else. The women will tell me, I've heard you say that. I've heard that from other people. It's just so hard to not feel that though. It's so hard to not take it personally. And the truth is that's right. It is hard. It's very much easier said than done. And so the whole goal of this podcast, this particular episode is in hopes to expand the understanding a little bit more so that when the wife says, he knew how much this hurt me, so why did he do this? I hope that we've been able to clear a little bit, to add a little bit more clarity to that. There's many other pieces to the puzzle. And the answer, the answer is for him to understand this and then do the work necessary to heal. And so when he does do that, that broken part, the unresolved part starts to be more aligned and integrated in a way that does align with the values of the person. And then the person can develop new habits and behaviors and ways of coping and new strategies to deal with life, to deal with pain, to heal his self-image, to resolve the negative ways he might be thinking or believing about himself, ultimately, which then allows him to sustain the decision that he made maybe long, long ago that he wants to be away from this problem. But after doing all of that work, he'll actually be able to sustain it. So I, I know there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. So wherever you are in the process, I would encourage you just given all the things that I said in terms of some of the things that are necessary to deal with and address, I would encourage you to start where you are, identify what's wrong, and if you don't know what it is, that's the first step. If you do know what it is, then it's then getting the tools to counterbalance, counteract the thing that's out of alignment so that you can then take the next step towards healing and ultimately get all the pieces that you need in place so you can have the kind of relationship that you want. And so ultimately the trust can be rebuilt and you can feel closer together than maybe you ever had in the past because of the new tools and capacity that's being developed as you do the work. So I look forward to speaking with you again next episode. I encourage you to, again, take, take the step wherever you are to figure out what needs to happen. And then taking those steps can lead to that outcome that you want. And then you can start to leave this behind you and, and do it in a sustainable way. So I hope to speak with you guys soon. And I look forward to next episode. And we will talk to you then. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.